0: All I ever wanted was a little love I want true romance, it's true Hello
5: and welcome to True Romance You have to say In your name, no one knows who
3: you are Okay, if you haven't listened before, this is Carolina Barlow Who are you, Devin?
5: Who am I? Okay, where do I even are? are you? February 27th, 1992, a hospital in New York City that I don't remember the name of. A little gal comes knocking at the cesarean window and her name was me, Devin Leary. And what happened next? Just kidding. Okay. (laughs) This
3: is our 100th episode of True Romance. Thank you to our listeners who have been with us since we didn't even know what a microphone was. We were literally saying, is this thing on?
5: I've never done a hundred of anything. Like I, I, I guess I've read a hundred pages once. <laughs> and that was when Jessica Simpson wrote a memoir. Um, listeners, we love you so much. Thank you for everything. And this is the end and we'll see you later. No, I'm just kidding. Um, we're just there grateful. No end. There's no end. We're grateful. We understand gr- gratitude. The limit does not exist. The limit does not exist. And, um, and we're here and we just, of course, decided that since we started our show talking about breakups, we're going to end. Well, <laughs> sorry. since we started our show talking about breakups, Devin's like trying to quit the podcast. <laughs>
3: um, since we Nick started and Vanessa Lachey are replacing us.
5: Since we started our show talking about breakups and I don't get health insurance from this podcast, I will be taking a step back No. Um. We're going to talk about breakups again today, episode 100. But before we do that, how are you, Carol? I guess I have to ask that because you're actually obligated. You
3: absolutely are. I am great. I went to a party last night. This is news, you guys. This is breaking news because, I'm, as I told Devin before this, I don't go out. Went to a party last night. I had an interesting experience where I had fun, but I also did not find my husband. Yeah, I realized something and I didn't exactly realize it as much as I saw Gabrielle Union post about it on Instagram. But if I'm authentic, I will always win. So I can show up in a short sleeve dress where you can see my scars. I don't have to be shy about them, because if you can't handle that, that's okay. It means we're not meant for each other. And I mean that as a friend and someone, you know, I potentially want to be with. One thousand percent. I just realized that You know, even though this is something that I used to feel comfortable in, there's this whole new discomfort in my body, given what I've been through. And I really want to get back into myself. I want to feel like myself again. And there was a time where I would literally enter rooms and be like, if they if someone doesn't like me, that's their problem. They're crazy. I'm so likable. And I really want to return to that place. And I think I am. And that's how I felt last night. And so even though I did not fall in love last night, which is always a disappointment, there wasn't even a hot guy to focus on. And that was hard. But I felt like myself. I felt comfortable. I felt outgoing, and that was a victory unto
5: itself. That is such a victory unto itself. There is that season of Real Housewives of New York when Ramona is like newly single, and like even <laughs> though she's at age fifty five or whatever, every party Dressed she goes to, like Britney she's Spears like, from what, the Oops, Again video. She's like, what guys are going to be there? Like, are hot guys going to be there if they're not? Like, when she has them all over to her Hamptons house, and she's like, yeah, so I'm going to be going out because I'm just, like, not in for a girls' night tonight. Like, this is just not where I'm at. I do deeply relate to that.
3: When she's also, like, Bethany is trying to set up Carol, RIP their friendship, with a guy when they're on vacation, and Ramona swerves like I've never seen before to go talk to him instead. (laughs) Oh! She's like, I don't give a fuck. And as Bethany put it, it's like saving private Ryan trying to get Ramona late. (laughs) Uh,
5: No, I know. And it's I like do relate to it. I think that I've just grown more as a person where I can like stop and think, like, you know what? You know what's (laughs) just as important as getting attention from a man is having meaningful, meaningful experiences with friends and with women and whatever. But there was definitely a time in my life where I was like, okay. If there are no available hot men there, what is my business there? And like, if you are not a good enough friend to just come to an event with me and drop me off to be hooked up with, like, and realize that I will cast you aside the second someone starts to speak to me, then you cannot ride or die with me. Like that was genuinely my mentality.
3: I do think there's something beautiful about like, for instance, if we were going to a party together, us acknowledging beforehand that we are going to put sex above our friendship for the next three hours. And I think that that's a powerful and I think that's feminism. I think that even last night, my friend who I went to the party with, another friend was like, oh, I want to set you up with this guy to her. And it was a really hot guy who ended up not coming to the party, of course, because, you know, God sometimes shuns us for the original sin. But I told my friend after seeing pics of him before we went to the party and after we left, I was like, I was fully prepared to wait on the sidelines if you guys didn't hit it off. And we did. Say, I'm sorry, but this is actually going to be someone I'm going to have to pursue. Yeah. Like, that's just where I am at in this
5: stage of my life. That's a necessary place to be. And I... A true
3: friend understands.
5: A true friend understands. A true friend also understands that when you're asking for a setup, like, this is the thing. People can be very lackadaisical Mm -hmm. when they bring up a setup. Mm -hmm. I know I've talked about this before. It's like they bring up a setup like, I have someone for you like, oh, my God, you're single now. I have something for you. Let me let me show you like they'll show you a picture. And you're like, OK, cool. I'm into it. And they're like, great. Oh, my God, I'll bring it up. And I'm like, can you actually mention like what's the date you'll see them next? Like, what are you going to say? Can you please show them a photo of people me? are always in relationships? They're like, like relationships. You need to send a photo mm-hmm. of me that is honest and realistic. They can see the, the goods, they can make a judgment, and then they can say whether or not they're invested. And then you need to send them my phone number and you mm-hmm. need to tell them to text me. And yeah. that's how it needs to go. And I need updates. Mm-hmm. I need to be updated. And some people are really lackadaisical with it. And you're like, okay, so why did you bring it up if it's not even a real thing or if you're not going to prioritize it? Like,
3: and if I'm aggressive, people think I'm joking. And I'm like, I am not kidding around here. I need you to reach out to that guy. I met briefly at a coffee shop with you. I need you to let him know I'm interested and I need you to gauge his response. I'm not here to pal around.
5: No one's here to pal around. This is like Love Island. (laughs) No one's here to be friends. And if I make friends in the process, great, but I have enough friends that's true actually on love island they do seem to like put a huge emphasis on like having romances and like it's like love island is like the one place on planet earth and yes it's multiple places cuz there's love island UK love island US and love island Australia but it's the three only places where men actually bond in a vulnerable way and like they like cry when each other leaves and they like get so close love. i guess cuz there's nothing else to do but it's like they truly get so bonded to each other and they're so excited and they like they are real with each other i'm watching love island us the vegas season right now don't ask me why i would choose the season that's literally where they're trapped on a las vegas rooftop Nightmare. and it's covid it was filmed in height of 2020 i don't know why i chose the season but like i'm really intrigued by it and the way these men like they are honest with each other like johnny i know you're getting your head turned by Mercedes. And I know you have physical attraction with her, but Sally loves you and she will continue to love you. And you guys have a real connection. So you like, and I'm like, I've never heard men talk like this. And Johnny's like, you're right. You're right. Like, okay. I think I did get my head turned. And at the same time, like I do want to explore all my options and it's something different than what I've seen. Hmm. It really is. And I will yeah. say if anyone has experience with that season, um, I'm obsessed with Sally and Mackenzie is one of the most insane humans I've ever had to witness just based solely on her plastic surgery um, and also on her like being so jealous and insecure, although I relate to the jealousy and insecurity and it makes me want to work on my own insecurities so that I don't come off mm. the way she does. Yeah, it's a okay. It's a mirror. Love Island is my mirror and I look in it every day. (laughs) Okay, cool. So what's up? Like, what do you want to (laughs) do?
3: So for our hundredth episode, we thought, like Devin said, to return from whence we started, we wanted to talk about breakup movies. We wanted to offer a salve for your wounds, a bomb for your wounds. And if you're going through a heartbreak, if you are not even just going through heartbreak, you're going through loneliness. We've all been there where we're so lonely, it physically hurts. Did I just reveal too much? I don't care. But there's things that we can do to help ourselves. We don't have just to stay in despair. And one of those things is to watch various stories that remind us that true love is to come. Mm-hmm. Um, so we reached out to our amazing listeners. We got a bunch of amazing suggestions for what's helped them. Shout out to Holly Brennan, friend of the pod, who wrote in the day after tomorrow. I wouldn't necessarily go to that <laughs> first um, were I to be going through a heartbreak. But we love a disaster movie to remind us that things could be worse. Things could be worse and Jake Hall is hot. Is that Jake Gyllenhaal in that? It sure is. Um, I hope that Beth Cohen, Taylor Swift...
5: No, playlist. everyone knows I hate Jake as a person, but okay. I think he's like undeniably attractive. Like, well, that's the thing is
3: that when you look at pictures of Jake Hall from the early aughts, you understand why someone wrote an album about their breakup. Like what? He is
5: perfect looking.
3: If you look at pictures of him shirtless, not safe for work, but it is shocking. He is he is meant to ruin lives in his lifetime.
5: I did see him in person once and I was shaken. But I also was like, you're kind of an asshole because you're not even like trying to talk to me. OK, <laughs> <laughs> I've just heard so many. This is the thing you hear so many like lore. Speaking of folklore, there's a folklore in the city about like Jake Hall like will hit on girls and Cycle or whatever. And I'm like, I'm openly available. Why doesn't this happen to me? Like everyone who has a story about being in the city and like a celebrity happens to be there and like hits on you. Why is that not me? I know. I'm like, waiting for that. What? It's really confusing.
3: I know. I'm I'm about to delete Raya, but I'm on it right now. And I saw that one of the actors from Peaky Blinders, and I did what you did with Pete Davidson, where I swiped right so quickly that I didn't have a chance to look at his profile. And it was really disappointing.
5: I do that all the time.
3: I know. I was just so excited. I also I was thinking, like, should I keep Raya for longer? Should I delete it? And then just today when I was finishing, like, my batch of guys that I was swiping through today. The last guy I saw before I was cut off was someone who said, looking for more unvaxxed friends. No, no, no. And I thought, it's time. It's time to cut off this snakehead. I have so many new deal breakers, like one of which is the big hat, one of which is any kind of necklace. One of which is
5: men saying, hey, how have you been doing? As if we know each other. And I'm like, I hate how it. have I been doing since birth? Um, there's been a lot of ups and downs but also men who list so many different, my friend texted me a screenshot of this, like listing like the most mediocre men living in like Murray Hill or something, listing off so many criteria, like looking for someone who's outgoing, but also introverted, but also really supportive of me, but also totally has their own life and also doesn't give a fuck what I do, but also will support every single thing that I do and care about everything I do. And also this and looking for that and wanderlust and drinks coffee on the weekends and cozy nights with wine. And I'm like, what the fuck? Who told you you deserve all this? Meanwhile, I'm out I'm just here looking for someone who
3: showers and is nice to me
5: and washes and their hands me. after they take a shit. That's literally like <laughs> a standard that I have lowered myself to before where I'm like, well, he doesn't know how to do that. But like, maybe we can work on this. Literally, that's like a decision I've made in the past. Oh, he it's doesn't. So he truly is so unmothered that he doesn't know how to <laughs> wash his hands. OK, let's start at age 35 to do this. <laughs> oh, I know. Guys, no one has it easy including me.
4: I want true romance.
0: Hacks is back for season 3 and so is the official Hacks podcast. In each episode, Hacks creators Lucia and Yellow, Paul W. Downs and Jen stadsky speak with cast and crew members to unpack the Emmy-winning comedy series.
2: This is Fallen Angels, a story of California corruption.
5: We're always going to have predators. It's the good people who stand by and do nothing that
2: allow them to flourish. Listen to Fallen Angels, a story of California corruption, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
5: Speaking of no one having it easy, let's start with one of our listeners' suggestions. Best breakup movie, First Wives Club. So this
3: is, of course, the movie where Bette Midler, Goldie Hawn, and Diane Keaton play women who had their hearts broken. It's entertaining. It is. I am going to reject it because it did <gasps> not age as well as one would think. Listen, I okay. watched it when I was a kid, loved it. They sing they sang the Leslie Gore song, You Don't Owe Me, together and dance. It's fun. Um, But it is mass hysteria. They are screaming a lot. They're always like freaking out. And I would like to replace it, if I may, with another Diane Keaton movie, which is um, Annie Hall. I'm absolutely kidding. Never again. Down with Woody Allen. I never want to see a movie of his listed again. The Diane Keaton movie I really would like to replace First Wives Club with is Something's Gotta Give, the Nancy Myers classic starring Diane Keaton, Jack Nicholson, Forever Hot, and Keanu Reeves, who I have never found as attractive as I find him in this movie. Quick recap, Jack Nicholson, Forever Hot, dating Amanda Pete. He's a New York millionaire who doesn't date anyone over 30. He has a heart attack and is stuck at Amanda's mother's house. Diane Keaton, renowned playwright with a Hamptons beach house and 1,000 turtlenecks.
4: Mm-hmm. So
3: the lifestyle porn of a Nancy Meyers movie, as Danny Pellegrino, friend of the pod, used to say, it's giving us something to look up to, aspiration. It's not just romance, it's lifestyle aspiration. And Diane Keaton has a desk in this movie facing a huge window that faces out into the beach. And that's when I knew, and this desk, need I say more, is in her bedroom. A desk in your bedroom looking out on the ocean. And that's when I knew that I was going to be a writer and I really thought that's what um, writers' lives looked like. I didn't know that I was going to be literally laying down on the floor and falling asleep every 20 minutes only for Devin to tell me to stop mapping because we needed
5: to work together <laughs> no no but <laughs> no it's so true because I when this movie came out I was in middle school not to brag I think I was like very young I was in the womb when this movie came out I was literally knocking on the window of a cesarean like ready to come out no um, I was really young when this came out and I didn't even understand like the dynamics of like an older man with a younger woman. Like I remember literally being confused by that and being like, oh, like, I don't get this. This old man is dating a young person. I'll flash forward to the rest of my life. OK, <laughs> but at the time when I saw it, me and my friend Ellen in middle school just became obsessed with it because we had never been to the Hamptons before and we were like oh my god it looks so pretty oh my god imagine if we could have a house in the Hamptons and we were like building sims houses that look yeah. like the house and something's got to get killing them in their pools <laughs> <laughs> we were building a sim jack nicholson and killing him so it turns out we were ahead of our time in terms of feminism because we knew to kill the sim jack nicholson no no um, but we, I was into it and then I watched it as an adult and I was like wait this movie is actually so hot and like I know people think it's problematic but I actually don't oh, I actively don't. Are you don't. kidding
3: me? It's not at all. It's so fucking good. Also it to is...
5: have to have Frances McDormand as just Thank the you. spunky friend as the just the spunky friend. She's a
3: professor of like feminist theory and she brings it up. She's like Jack you are she's What's his name? She talks to Jack Nicholson's character and she's like, you are the epitome of cool because you haven't settled down and you're dating young girls. But to Diane Keaton's character, her sister, she was like, she's seen as a failure, even though she's accomplished as well, but because she's single. So Jack Nicholson has a heart attack. The best love triangle ever. Jack Nicholson, Diane Keaton, Keanu Reeves. Keanu Reeves falls in love with Diane Keaton because he loves her writing. Wish that was true for
5: the real world. No, but it kind of is because look at his girlfriend. She's old. No offense to her. <laughs> she is his age. She No, is his she's
3: age. not. Yes, she, she is. is. Oh. As Whitney Cummings, interesting personality, put it, the fact that it became news that Keanu Reeves was dating someone his age was so insane. The headline might as well have been someone in Hollywood isn't a pedophile.
5: <laughs> well, honestly, it's also like alarming that I was like, that's kind of like a red flag that that's who he's dating. No, it's
3: so hot so okay obviously Jack Nicholson sees Diane Keaton in the dress she's going out to be with Keanu Reeves in and he like falls in love like she is so hot they end up hooking up and having sex that's so good they both end up crying after and the beautiful part of the movie is that they mention to each other before they hook up like they're both terrible sleepers and when they sleep together they sleep through the night together very romantic now The most realistic part of this movie is after he is healed, after he has recovered from his heart attack, he is finally ready to leave the Hamptons house. They've fallen in love. You know, it's been this amazing fairy tale story, and he's finally well enough to go back to New York. So is Diane Keaton. As soon as this motherfucker leaves the Hamptons house, as he's charmed the pants off this woman and she's taken care of him. She sees him in New York City out with some 25-year-old blonde. And it's just so the epitome of men. Um, we mother men, and then when they feel good enough, they leave.
5: We're just raising them for them. We're to... raising
3: them. Okay, so I want to read a piece of dialogue, which I think is some of the best dialogue of all time concerning breakups. Um okay. Kevin, uh, who's not an actor, which you'll come to see is going to be playing Harry, Jack Nicholson's character. I, as I've said, my idol, Erica Berry, fictional playwright, played by Diane Keaton, will be playing Erica. Okay. This is outside of the restaurant after Erica has caught Harry um, on the date. I'm like the dumb girl that doesn't get it. I've never been the dumb girl before. It
5: ain't great. Let's just calm down. I had these plans before I even met you. I mean, I do like seeing you. I do.
3: I'm always surprised by it. Surprised by it? What was I thinking? I have never lied to you. I have always told you some version of the truth. The truth doesn't have versions, okay? Will you cut me a little slack? My life has just been turned upside down. Mine too. Well, then let's just each get our bearings. I don't want my bearings. I've had my bearings my whole goddamn life. I feel something with you I never really knew existed. Do you know what that's like after a 20-year marriage to feel something for another person that is so that oh right right not your problem. God. Do you know that I've written this but I never really got it? Do you know what this is? No. So this is when Erica takes both her hands, grabs Harry's face and kisses him. This is heartbroken. How's that for impervious? Ah, You're killing me. I just wish it had lasted more than a week. Me too. That is a terrible thing to say. You know, the life I had before you, I knew how to do that. I could do that forever. But now look at me. What am I going to do? What am I going to do with all this?
5: Okay. So she gets in the cab. It's heartbreaking. Okay. I have to say something about what just happened here between us on the podcast. So this week when I was at work, someone down the hall had an had a birthday party in an office in a place of work. Okay, and they decided to do karaoke in the office for the Mm -hmm. birthday party, which I'm like, I've just like never heard of that before. And just don't as much as I'm a fun gal and I'm a get down gal, as as anyone will attest to. It just does not work to do karaoke in an office during the office work day. Like, I just don't understand. So the other problem was, clearly, the person who had planned this was someone who just wanted to show off their work. Like, it wasn't the fun kind of karaoke where everyone's bad at it and everyone's laughing and whatever. Like, one of them was, like, a really good singer. And um, her song was, like, Home me closer, tiny dancer. Oh, my God. And she literally, so I'm getting so annoyed. And then she walks I'm really down the hall. i I'm going to be compared to this girl soon. Okay, wait, wait, wait. No, I'm going to compare both of us. So she comes down the hall and then she says, to my coworker, she's like, oh, did you hear us? Oh, my God, you missed it. We were doing karaoke. A home and closer, tiny dancer. Like she literally did the thing we make fun of where she like was like, oh, did you hear us? We were just doing a home and closer and then like tried really hard. But that's what we just did. Like we were like, we're just going to for fun, jokingly do a scene. And then we both committed to our parts 100%. And I think we had chemistry. We had chemistry. We also had to honor
3: the writing. Okay. This isn't like a joke. I'm not doing a gossip girl scene. I'm doing one of the best breakup scenes of all time. And I'm not being hyperbolic when I say that. Yeah. I also, um, I really did appreciate your Jack Nicholson impression. I really wasn't expecting to. And I, without complimenting myself, like your coworker, do believe that, you know, my Erica Berry impression was good. It was. I do want to watch this movie again, maybe even today, even though I have more work to do. And OK, speaking of hysterical and why I didn't like First Wives Club, but why I do like something's got to give is she's not cool. She's not cool about the breakup. Yeah. And I like that. You know, we're always expected to take it at the chin and just be whatever and blase about it. And what I've learned recently is that I'm going to be heartbroken for a while and that's absolutely fine. And it will set me up for my next relationship. Yep. I love all of that. We have another movie, which is another breakup movie. It's a little bit gnarly, but if you want a female empowerment montage, I recommend it. And that's called Enough, in the words of Taylor from Real Housewives of Beverly Hills.
5: So this was my submission, Enough. <laughs> Sorry, as Although Carolina took it upon herself to do the intro, this was actually my submission. Um, and it is... What I like to refer to it as is the female Dark Knight. Like, it's, it's our it's our Dark Knight. Like, because isn't, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong. Clearly, I'm not an expert. Um, isn't Dark Knight the one where he, like, goes into the cave and he, like, has to be trained by, like, the guru and then he, like, climbs out of the cave? I'm not sure, but it's so funny because my sister, when she was in editing school,
3: everyone had to bring in some of their favorite scenes from a movie and my sister was like, oh my God, how many fucking scenes from The Dark Knight I had to watch today? Like every guy brought in like Heath
5: Ledger's the Joker into the room. Like hanging off the building, yeah. Yeah. Um, No, I know. So like I am not sure which Batman movie it is, but I, I think it happens in every Batman movie. It's like he gets like knocked down so hard that he has to go into like a cave and get rehabilitated. So that's enough. That's the, enough is the breakup movie version of that. So you what you have with enough is Jennifer Lopez at her prime, Mm -hmm. which also makes you realize she's still at her prime to this day. Mm -hmm. Like she actually has just continued to get better. But I've always stood by as much as Carolina tries to tear me down from this pedestal. I've always stood on the pedestal that represents Jennifer Lopez is a great actress. She's an amazing talking about what you shat on. You shat on Jennifer Lopez movies and said they were bad.
3: Don't say what I'm
5: thinkers. There are some don't stinkers. say what am I talking about for fuck's sake? She's testing I don't, I, me today. <laughs> it's the hundredth episode and she still tests me. She twists her little bangs while she says she doesn't know what I'm talking about. When I say she shot on JLo movies. Okay, listen. Enough. We have JLo in her prime. One of one of the best, I would say, movie openers. Cheryl Crow is playing and we're just seeing—we're seeing a slice of life, which is a waitress named Slim. Oh my so god! Immediately, you're that. like, "Okay, so you're cool. Your name's Slim, yeah. like, so you're just cool." She works in a diner with Juliette Lewis as her best friend. Again, this is one of those movies where you're like, "Wait, you have this iconic actress as just playing your spunky best friend?" Very similar Scientologist, to Scientologist, but continue. Very similar to—I don't want to hear about that right now. Very <laughs> similar to. When Ste- how Stella got her groove back. You have Whoopi Goldberg as the spunky best friend and Regina King, I think. And it's like, okay, wait, these people are just the fucking best friend. I don't even get it. Anyway, so Slim is a waitress. And what I love about this movie, especially for this podcast, is this is something we've talked a lot about, which is how how we miss red flags because mm-hmm. they come across as attractive. Mm-hmm. So in the opening of the movie, there's this guy with a rose, which I'm like, That's so corny. But like, I understand that that might have worked for some people, including J-Lo, I guess. There's a guy who comes into the diner with a rose and he's reading a book and he hits on J-Lo. And she's like, oh my God, he's kind of attractive. And then she tries to like, make a move back on him after conferring with Juliet Lewis. And which the one thing I'll say about Juliet Lewis's character is she kind of acts like Slim should just like take whatever she could get. And I'm like, if J-Lo was my best friend in no world, am I like, Honey, if he's biting, you better give in. Like it's your time to settle. Like no, Juliette Lewis
3: owes Slim an apology in this movie because she does. pushes her
5: towards the wrong man. Continue. Okay, so J Lo goes back and she's like, "Okay, I'm going to hit back on this man." Then someone we so so you're you're watching the movie, you're like, "Okay, this is her love interest." And I w- part of me was I like, I was like, "Wait, this guy's like not famous at all. Like, how did he even get this part?" But I see this and and then first twist in the movie the guy sitting behind the guy with the rose turns around and he's like how much money did you bet on this and he reveals the fact that this guy has actually made a bet with his friends that he could get into JLo's pants and first of all I love the phrase get in her pants and we should bring that back oh, and yeah. then he threatens the guy the guy like says something fucked up about like she's not even worth any money or whatever and then this other guy like threatens to fight him, gets all up in his face, machos out and basically saves the day and starts to leave. So this is something that like we've talked about in that book, five types of people who can ruin your life. Like this is something that most people wouldn't do. It's very aggressive. It crosses a boundary. It's weird. Why was he eavesdropping on this man's conversation? It's a lot. But in the moment it felt very romantic because it's like this Mm -hmm. big hot guy being like, wait, don't even fuck with this girl. Okay, bye. And she's like, wait, then Juliet Lewis again is like, Slim, go after him. Don't let him walk out of here. Like, he's it's the like, man why am I for you. you. So Slim does, and basically cut to their wedding. She marries the guy who stood up for her. He and all of his groomsmen wear top hats in the wedding Another photos. Red flag. Huge red flag. What kind of also, decision was that? I can't
3: explain it, but racist. What, the top hats? Yeah.
5: I can't explain why, but I'm getting that vibe. Because it's Mr. Peanut vibes. And I feel like every time <laughs> Mr. Every, Peanut is a racist, for like, sure. I feel like there's been moments where I've like brought up Mr. Peanut in the past like 10 years. And I'm like, wait, something crosses my mind where I'm like, wait, has he been canceled? Like, should I not be bringing up Mr. Peanut? Because you Mr. know, there's like that frog that got like, like, that got co opted by like the white supremacist movement. I'm like, wait, is Mr. Peanut like a white supremacist? Like, should I not bring this up? I was at a party and I saw Mr. Peanut.
3: I was a huge fan of his. So I wanted to okay. say hi. And he grabbed my asshole. <laughs> what? <laughs> I spent one night with Mr. Pina and ended up being the worst night of my life. <laughs> <laughs>
5: if you're not clicking that headline, you're deranged. Okay. So I just threw my phone case because I got so agitated about that. Okay. So we have these red flags. So this is the other fucking thing that's perfect about this movie. It describes every phase of narcissistic abuse. I love that they did it this way where they like included everything. It's like they're not going to show you just when it got bad or just when it was like really good. They're showing the love bombing phase in the beginning. And again, he does stuff that seems romantic, but is like also super aggressive. So there's one scene where like she sees this house and she's like, oh, my God, that's my dream house. And the guy, her new husband, goes and knocks on the door and he's like, this guy comes out and J-Lo's husband's like, I want your house. I'll give you any amount of money. And the guy is like, oh, that's okay. We're not selling. And then he sort of threatens him, but like J-Lo can't quite hear him. So to her, she's like, oh my God, he just did this amazing romantic gesture. He just offered this person whatever it takes to like get the house. But really he was being kind of threatening and aggressive and weird and not normal. So- it's kind of like what you and I have talked about with Kim and Kanye, where it's like, okay, why, like, Kim is talking about being happy with Pete now because he does something, like you said, like sending dibs for favorite ice cream to her. Whereas Kanye was like, I'm going to, as you said, I'm just stealing Carolina's lines that she already told me before this the was pod podcast. This is a
3: pre-meeting podcast, but yeah, continue.
5: Kanye does stuff like getting a computer monitor that has her sex tape on it or like whatever the fuck. His, his declarations of love
3: might be manic episodes, and I don't say that as a joke. I really do mean that,
5: and so that's kind of what jlo 's new husband is giving in this movie and she's still though like she's like, "Oh my God, and whatever, so then she has a baby. this is when the cr- cracks start to show, and they they make a point of showing when the baby is born, her husband picks up the baby and looks at it and says, she looks just like me, like showing he's a narcissist, then she's taking care of the child and he starts to pull away he starts to not show up as much. And that's when the devaluing phase starts. I love this scene because I find it very relatable. She go, he's in the shower and she goes to like, kind of like try to like be hot with him. He's like, Oh, I'm almost done. Like pushes her away. And she feels like so rejected. And that's when she's feeling like, Oh my God, something's totally shifted. This person was obsessed with me, threatening people for me doing whatever it takes, buying me my dream home. And now they just are like completely icing me out. It's confusing what's going on. Then she sees his pager show that someone's texted him on his pager. She calls the number. It's a French woman. Then one of (laughs) one of the most iconic lines, she calls her husband and he says, is that my little croissant?" And she goes, no, it's your loaf of bread like that. Okay. And she at first you think like, oh, my God. OK, like he like she's going to like take him on. Like she is J-Lo. She is not to be messed with. And I just had a conversation with a friend of mine about like feeling rejected by men or whatever. And she was like, think about it. Jennifer Aniston was rejected. Like she was humiliated by a man. Jennifer Aniston. It can happen to anyone. So that's how I felt in this. I'm like, okay JLo Slim can be fucked over for some French bitch. That's the way of the world. world reality TV star from Southern Charm yep so you know what that's the way of the world and anytime a man rejects you it has nothing to do with you okay then basically this is where it all hits the fan she realizes he's abusive he starts being physically abusive to her she starts trying to figure out a way out she goes through all these trials and tribulations it becomes like an exploration of abusive relationships and how impossible it is for a woman to get help who's in an abusive marriage like the custody of it all, the fact that she has no money or power herself, the fact that no one believes her, the fact that lawyers can't do anything, the the laws don't work, the cops won't help. It's just showing over and over again like how powerless this woman feels. And you literally, genuinely feel watching it. You're like, what the fuck is she going to do? And I think that was the purpose of the writers, the way they wrote it and directed it, is to make you feel like, wow, this woman has no option and no way out, because that's the way it really is. And so, I mean, it's not, now I'm now I'm reconsidering my idea to like loop this in with like John Tucker must die as a breakup <laughs> movie but I'm like it really is so this is why I bring it up is because it becomes a vengeance tale that truly cannot be compared. So basically this is where it goes dark night and she goes to see this lawyer who's like I'm just going to be honest with you like there's like nothing I can do for you and she's like so what's my option?
3: She says, what is the problem with domestic violence when he talks about getting her restraining order? And she says, what am I supposed to do when he shows up? Just throw a piece of paper at him. Yep. Which I remember even as a 13
5: year old watching this thing. Wait, what are women supposed to do? But also, can we just talk about her acting? Like, I just got chills when you said that because I remember the scene. She is a brilliant actress. She is a good actress. I never okay. said she was bad. You're purposely I, saying good instead of brilliant when I just said
3: brilliant. Uh, okay, I'll say brilliant. I do love her acting. I think marry me. I think there's some choices she has made with her movies, The Boy Next Door, that have not been of quality. I think when she is showing up as Hustlers, as True Out of Sight, one of my favorite movies. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She oh, is so divine. hot. That movie is so, so hot. hot. When a guy hits on her and he talks about a dog that he's like really being like disgusting with her, and he's like, Me and my dog, we used to tussle because that's what a bitch likes, tussle. And she hits him with a stick and he's like, Oh, what the fuck? And she's like, You wanted to tussle? We tussled.
5: Anyway, so JLo goes to see this guru who is the dark knight style uh, mentor that she needs, and she gets martial arts training, self defense training. And it's this incredible montage. And basically, in the end, he does this thing with her where he makes her lie on the ground Mm -hmm. and says the hardest lesson that we that we have to learn is that we can't control the universe. So I'm like, okay, now it's an Al-Anon anthem, this movie, on top of everything else. Um, And that's so true. And he's like, there there might come a time where you're like lying down flat and all this stuff. But he tells her that, like, the one power she has is, like, she knows his deal now. Like, she knows what he's going to do. And he's like, since you know him so well, you know he's not going to just let you lie there. He's going to try to kick you again. And so you're going to be ready for it. And I loved that because it's like no one knows a man better than the woman who sleeps next to him at night. And he might think he can pull something over on her, but he absolutely can't. So, also, J-Lo's ass is real. I just have to say that, too, because it's like it looks just as good it then is. as it, it does is. now. So no, let's just is. say that. So. Then, um, so then she like enacts this plan and she's like staking out the guy's house. And at this point I was like, this is a little bit like faulty in the plot. Cause I, I wasn't really clear what was like, I'm like, is she just like, did she just decide to kill him? I'm not really sure what her plan is, but it, it turns out, yes, yeah, she's made a decision to like kill him. Cause there's nothing else she can do. So she surprises him. And everything that they said would happen, happened. And there's like a moment where she wants to let him live. She doesn't think she can do it. And then she thinks about her beautiful daughter, Grace, and how he one time hurt her daughter. And she's like, sorry, this is the end for you. Pushes him off the balcony, humble brag that he has a balcony inside his house. And she, she ends it. She lives her happy life. She does all the right things. Yes, I'm saying killing someone is all the right things. But I don't know if I would say that if it wasn't j and I just think that this is the type of breakup movie you need to watch when you're angry in a sad way. Angry in a sad way is such a good um, description. Or if you're, or you're coming out of a narcissistic, abusive situation.
3: I am going to be watching this movie. Okay. Um, probably today.
4: I want you.
2: a story of California corruption on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts.
3: To go to a m- much different, but is it movie John Tucker Must Die?
5: This is a listener suggestion by the way. Yeah. Okay, so John Tucker Must Die, I saw when it came out and I remember loving it and unfortunately um It did not hold up in a lot of ways, especially given the fact that we know now. So Jesse Metcalf had such a moment; like he was in Desperate Housewives, the hot gardener that Eva Longoria has sex with, and I remember being so attracted to him. And this was like his movie where he's like this the leading man, and it's like, oh my god, he's so hot, he's everything. But guys, he's become so sad as a person. Like he literally lives in Miami Beach with like a weird, like she looks like a sex doll type of girl, and. He, like, is friends with Lala's disgusting ex-partner from Vanderpump Rules. Um, What's his name? Randall Emmett. Randall Emmett. He's he's friends with Rand. I've seen him on Raya. Wait, you've seen Jesse or Rand? Rand. Wait, absolutely disgusting and heinous. Raya, you have no standards. I know. And then yet you try to make normal people feel like this is an app that they have to, like, try hard to be on. And fucking Rand is on it, you (laughs) fucks. Okay, if I get kicked off Raya for this, it'll be worth it because I stand with Lala and I will never, ever forgive Rand. So Jesse Metcalf is a friend of Rand's and he's like appeared a couple times on Vanderpump Rules. And I actually appreciated him appearing on there because it was like, oh, okay, like the Vanderpump Rules stars think they're famous and they actually like aren't because they act all weird around someone who wasn't even in a hit since like 2008 or whatever. But so this was Jesse Metcalf's moment, and he's not a great actor, but it doesn't matter because Britney Snow is an amazing main character for a teen movie. She's somehow, that's her name, right? Brittany Snow. Mm-hmm. She's somehow like relatable, even though she's really pretty. Like she's able to play the relatable girl despite being pretty. She's like, she's just perfect for stuff like that. And this is really a revenge movie. Um, for the ages where basically Jesse Metcalf is the hot guy in school and he's in like five different relationships. He's with the head cheerleader popular girl played by Ashanti. He's with the vegan animal rights girl. Didn't know that was a trope, but that's played by Sophia Bush, who I can do no wrong in my eyes. I'm obsessed with her. And he then is also in a relationship with like the smart girl in school who for some reason is played by Ariel Kibble. Is that Kimball or this the girl from Lindsay from Gilmore Girls, um, who is really hot. So I don't understand how she would be like the smart nerd girl in school, but she is somehow. Anyway, he's in relationships with these three and probably more. And they all find out about each other because of a day where something went wrong. And then they all decide to get revenge on John Tucker. OK. OK. okay. Britney Snow gets involved because. Her mom dates assholes so she can spot an asshole when she sees one and she tells them what's what their plan ends up being that Britney Snow is going to fool John Tucker into falling mm-hmm. in love with her. Classic. And you know, when this decision gets made in a teen movie, that someone's going to trick another person into falling in love with them. Everything's going to go awry. All I have to say is in the end, John Tucker decides to be eth- ethically non-monogamous and just. Date multiple women, but tell tell them about each other, and I do think that was ahead of its time. The ethical slut, that he is the original ethical slut. Um, but I will say that there is way too much homophobic rhetoric in mm-hmm. this movie, as there always were. Um, and really, for two thousand like ten, everything I, is everything is homophobic. like so horribly homophobic. And I also do want to say that I don't understand how Penn Badgley and jesse metcalf we're supposed to be brothers but they only had one conversation the whole movie
3: it's a better movie if you think of Penn badgley as the lead
5: okay so we're gonna end on a something we couldn't possibly have not included in our 100th episode which is a corn segment from friend of the pod jesse Konevsky. this is her ideal breakup movie and I do have to say as I intro it that her commitment to the pod cannot be compared because while her kids are at a sleepover, she hid in a closet and recorded this quarantine for us because she knew she had to get it done. And that's why you'll notice that there is, she's talking very quietly. She's whispering about Melissa Joan Hart. And to me, that's commitment. And to me, that's respect and, For that, I am grateful. So please enjoy this quarantine.
7: Hey guys, Jesse here. It's been a while, but I would never miss the 100th episode. So here I am with a very special quarantine report. As you know, my personal brand skews high school. So I'm choosing a 90s teen cinematic masterpiece called Drive Me Crazy. Let's get into it. Okay, so 90s icon Melissa Joan Hart plays Nicole and Adrian Grenier. I did have to Google how to say his last name because apparently I've been saying it incorrectly my whole life of Entourage and Devil Wears Prada fame plays Chase. They live next door to each other. Their bedroom windows face each other in a Taylor Swift, you belong with me music video kind of way. They were friends as kids, but now that they're in high school, she's popular. He's not. They both get dumped right before the big dance because there's got to be a big dance. And Nicole decides she's not going out this way. She's going to find another guy. It doesn't matter how popular he is. She's going to make him into Mr. Popular. She settles on boy next door slash fellow dumpy Chase. And the idea is both exes will get jealous and come crawling back. Everyone will win. The fake it till you make a plan goes into action and it actually works. The exes do come crawling back. A bitchy BFF tries to steal the newly made over boy next door from Nicole. And these two, uh uh-oh, they caught feelings for each other. After some quick self-reflection and realizing what is important in life, they get together at, where else, the dance. I just love a happy ending and a Britney Spears song. This movie is filled with Fantastic 90s eye candy, butterfly clips, bright colored bikinis, burger shops, school sporting events, red solo cups, it's got it all. Now, while I'm sure most people love the scene of them floating in what seems to be a completely random river in neon colored inner tubes, my personal favorite scene in this movie is the 90s makeover scene when Nicole decides Chase doesn't look quite hot enough yet to be a popular kid. She takes him to the mall, a Phantom Planet song plays, and ah he's a new man. Now, did I mention that Chase was played by Adrian Grannier because he was hot before the makeover, he's hot after the makeover, he's hot in 2022, she could have put him in a bubble and rolled him into the school gymnasium and he would have still been hot, he did not need that makeover, which I do think was just her brushing his hair in the end. Let's talk about how this breakup was handled in this movie. Chase, like whatever, he got new board shorts at the Gap and went along with the plan and it worked for him. So great, but not enough credit is given to Melissa Joan Hart's character in this movie. She was a badass girl ahead of her time. She was popular, but she knew exactly how to wield her power. She got dumped for a cheerleader and she didn't sit around moping or crying. She said, guess what? I'm going to find another guy and he's going to be even better than the one that dumped me. And you're all going to want him. And they did. She even stood up for her best friend when she was called a bitch. She said, you know what? She may be a bitch, but she does it so damn well, and I respect that. And she didn't need to because that bitch did try to steal her boyfriend in the end. The point is, she was a strong, confident girl, and how many girls in high school can say that? Typically, a high school breakup is your first heartbreak. It's earth-shattering. It's life-altering. It's soul-crushing. It's just the worst. I enjoyed seeing another side of it where you're rejected and you shake it off. You're down, but you're not out. It's not about how you fall. It's about how you get back up. That last line may be a Pitbull quote. I'm not sure. I don't remember five out of five stars, but this movie, I love it. Let me tell you about my personal breakups. They have all been painful, yet pretty basic compared to some of my friends' stories. I really can't complain. My worst heartbreak came. It was from this guy that I met at a Maroon 5 concert in 2002. I was sure he was my soulmate. He was tall, handsome. He told me my Brooklyn accent was his favorite sound in the world. He once played Phantom Planets California to me on his piano. It was a vibe. In my head, I was like, I met this guy while Adam Levine was singing This Love. How perfect is that? But think about the lyrics to that song. This love has taken its toll on me. Should have been a red flag right there. I was dumped on the phone, no big deal, and to cope, I played a song from O Town's little known second album, a song called From the Damage, on repeat over and over again. Because you know what? The ex hated boy band, so F him. I felt like nothing would ever make that pain subside. But in breakups, the best thing you can do is to go back to doing what makes you happy. And what made me happy was going to shows. So my friends were going to see O-Town. They were about to break up. It was their second album, which was getting no airplay. And so they were playing smaller venues. So I got out of bed, I got dressed, and I went with them to see this show. And after the show, they were talking to the boy band. Because again, this is me and my friends. We're not just going to a show and then going home. No, we're finding the band after. Come on. I'm down, but I'm not out. And my friend walked up to Trevor from O-Town and she said to him, I wanna to talk to you about your song from The Damage. Keep in mind, that was the song I was listening to on repeat during my breakup. She said, the lyrics to that song don't make sense. You say, my arms are hurting so bad from being so empty. My heart weighs like a ton cause it feels so heavy. You may as well say, my hand is wet because it's in water and Trevor from O-Town to his credit said huh I never thought of it like that these were lyrics that I had been listening to on repeat they spoke to me in that moment and my friend decided to not only call them out to the person who wrote them but say they were irrelevant and you know what that moment Made me laugh and laugh and laugh. And when you're hurting, a laugh is a sign you may be healing. So thanks to my ballsy-ass friends, thanks to O-Town, and thanks to time and maturity, my heart eventually mended. And if you're going through a breakup, yours will too. Turn on Drive Me Crazy and don't do the math on how old I was to be at concerts in 2002. You know I stay 13 years old in my head for life. And happy 100th episode. I look forward to 100 more.
3: See ya. And that was Quarantine by Jesse Konevsky, our amazing correspondent. We have so many more breakup movies to go over with you guys. Um, I'll just tease My Best Friend's Wedding. I'll tease Under the Tuscan Sun. I'll tease Bridget fucking Jones. And we will give you our number one, which is... I want to say iconic I want to say breathtaking I want to say inspiring I want to say whatever wave of feminism we're supposed to be on Um, please stay tuned if you're sad and angry way we're sending you a hand squeeze and Mr. Peanut and his fucking monocle should be avoided at all costs strong
5: agree we'll see you next week love you Devin love you